0: Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to Black Women Amplified, the podcast. Your host, Monica Wisdom Tyson, brings you downloadable conversations that matter to women around the globe. We discuss all things black girl magic, amplify our voices, and transform our challenges into triumphs. Monica calls on her League of Extraordinary Women to push our boundaries, share their expertise, and stories of personal transformation. Welcome your host of Black Women Amplified, Monica Wisdom Tyson. Hello, Black Women Amplified. It is Monica Wisdom, your hostess with the mostest, and I am excited to be with you today. Today, we're going to talk about my trip to South Africa. I was going to talk about manifesting and all those good things, but my friend I met in South Africa, we're friends for life now, KB posted a video which reminded me of my time in South Africa and when I met her. KB is a triple threat artist. She's a singer, songwriter, entertainer, actress, and well, she's more than a triple threat. She's a quadruple threat. Kindest person and really, really showed me a great time while I was in South Africa. It was 2005 and I cannot Believe where the time has gone. It was an experience out of this world and it reminded me so much of Los Angeles. When I got to Joburg, I was like, I literally flew 31 hours to get to Los Angeles. (laughs) And I told you before, I had the on my vision board, there was a picture I put that year, I put a picture of. Africa on it, the continent of Africa. And little did I know that within 12 months, not only was I going to go to Ghana, but prior to that, I went to Johannesburg. I'm telling you, the vision boards work. (laughs) They work. We're going to talk more about that in another podcast episode, but I'm telling you they work. And going to Johannesburg, I'm glad that I went there before I went to Ghana because It was a myth buster for me. Again, this was 2005. Although I had read the books, consciousness, all these other things, I did not understand how big the continent of Africa was until I flew there. Because I'm thinking Africa, the continent, is the same size as North Africa. But I have since found out (laughs) that all the maps give you the wrong sizes of the countries. Due to colonization, they want to make the wider countries look bigger than they actually are, when actually North America, Europe, and all that could fit inside of the continent of Africa, and they can still have more space for other countries. And when I flew there, had no idea it would take so long. So I flew from Atlanta to London, London to Dakar, Senegal. Now, first of all, London... I had a 10 hour layover, but luckily Heathrow is like a really cool airport. And there are a lot of solo travelers. So when you're a solo traveler, you kind of clump together with other solo travelers and we all watch out for each other. And that wasn't the first time I've flown a far distance. I have to tell you about my trip to Thailand later. That was another that was an interesting trip. Loved it and hated it at the same time. But that's another conversation. South Africa. Drakkar. We land in Drakkar, but only for probably about 30 minutes because we didn't get out of the plane. We stayed on the plane. And these people in hazmat suits roll up to the plane. We don't even go to the gate. We were literally on the runaway. They rolled up on us, sprayed the outside of the plane with something, and then sprayed... Came on the airplane and sprayed us down like we were termites. (laughs) Then they leave, the flight takes off, and we head to Johannesburg. I don't remember how many hours that it took, but I felt like I was in the trunk of a car. The plane, the seats were so small. I mean, it was small for children. So you can imagine my. Voluptuous self <laughs> sitting on that plane, he got to one point where I literally was sitting half in the seat and half out of the out of the seat. You would have to get a you can't even get a visual half in the seat, half out of the seat. Turn around to the back, and the flight attendant said, "Ma'am, you're going to have to sit in your seat." I said, "Either I sit like this, or it's going to be a problem." And I looked at him eye to eye as I'm sure only black girls from America look at folks. <laughs> and he said, yes, ma'am. And then he walked away. I guess he was like, leave her alone because it was not about to be pretty. I felt so claustrophobic on that flight. Anyway, get to South Africa and waiting on the person who's supposed to pick me up. I have no idea who it is. I don't know what the person looks like. I don't know if it's a man or a woman. An Avatar, <laughs> I have no clue. I just get, when I turn my phone on, I get the message, somebody's coming to get you. Okay. So I waited. And I waited. And I waited. And I waited. So an hour passed. An hour and 35 minutes passed. An hour and 45 minutes, I noticed an older woman... She had to be about a foot shorter than me, had a lot of wisdom in her face, came up and said, dear, are you waiting on someone? Is someone coming to get you? Because I guess she could tell I was a little stressed. And it wasn't a place like, you know, when you pick up your luggage in America, there's always like a seating area. So I'm literally standing there because it's just a place when you get your luggage. It's like, get your luggage and get out. (laughs) This is how it was in 2005. I have no idea what it's like now. And she said, well, if nobody comes to get you, here's my number. My son will come and pick you up and take you to wherever you need to go. Oh, I thought that was nice and strange because that would never happen in America. And I didn't think much of it. And so I put the number in my purse and just waited probably about another 50 minutes. And then someone came to pick me up. I can't think of his name. He was with the record label. So the reason that I went was for a CD release party for a woman named KB. KB had done a collaboration with someone here in America, and I went with him And because he said he was going to South Africa. And I said, me too. (laughs) You're not leaving me here because I always wanted to go because I was in love with Winnie and Nelson Mandela. And if I could get in the country... Just to experience it, I was going to go. And I didn't want to go by myself. And so here's on my vision board, an opportunity presents itself, and I went. So finally, I get to my hotel. As I'm driving from the airport to the hotel, I'm just looking around and recognizing that everything I believed about Africa, because remember, this is my first trip ever, everything that we've been taught was absolutely wrong. Like I said, when I got to Johannesburg, I swear I landed in Los Angeles. The terrain, the vibe, the energy, how it looked, the traffic, (laughs) all LA. And then when I get to my hotel, beautiful hotel, it's right across the street from this huge mall, designer stores, high-end this and high-end that. And in the back of the mall, and it was huge. And in the back of the mall, there was an area that had local vendors, which I thought was super cool because I was able to buy some local items. Anyway, so I get to the hotel. It's beautiful. It's a suite. So there's a living room area, like a kitchenette area, the bedroom, bathroom. Nice size. Really nice. Right across the from this mall. I could literally walk across the street and hang out at the mall. So I would eat there like during the day. So get there, and the whole intention was the CD release party. The CD release party, I think, was the next day. So I was just acclimating myself, getting myself together, resting, because I had been on that doggone tin can airplane forever. <laughs> so I needed to stretch my body back out. So I get pull out my clothes, get ready to go. And what I did not know is that when you fly below the equator, the weather's a little different. In my head, I'm going to Africa. It's going to be hot. My ignorance, just complete ignorance. (laughs) It was cold. When that sun went down, I could literally see my breath. That's how cold it was. And of course, I only packed summer clothes. So at that time, linens were the thing. So I had linen clothes, linen dresses, linen pants, you know, because I thought it was going to be hot. Well, it was like there, like during the day, it was like spring. And at night, it was like fall, October here. I didn't have a coat. I didn't have socks. I didn't have a hat. I didn't have gloves. <laughs> so wherever we went at night, I was like, drop me off at the door. I am not walking in this cold. So anyway, get ready. The party's the next day. Get all judged up. Realize that I wasn't dressed up as I needed to be. Because KB is not just a singer. She's like a superstar. Okay, so they rented out a full restaurant venue place. And upstairs was like a lounge. And downstairs was like a DJ booth and a stage. And she performed. And it was magnificent. I had never experienced anything like this with all Black people. Except maybe the China Club. Well, that wasn't all Black people. I said all Black people. I had never experienced anything like this in my life. It was glamorous. It was sexy. It was blingy. And I'm sitting here thinking, I was sitting, standing, whatever I was doing, thinking like, I am partying in South Africa. This is freaking surreal. So the party happened. I meet all these incredible people. I don't know who they are. I don't remember their names. I remember KB. I remember her husband at the time, her label person, Sam, and a couple of other people. But it was such a magnificent night. And it was the perfect start of my seven days there. Because after that, the person I went with, he went in the studio with KB. And I went on an adventure in South Africa by myself. Well, not by myself, because remember I put that phone number in my bag, and my purse? Since everybody was working, I wasn't. I said, well, let me call and see what's up. So I called the number. I talked to the lady. Hi, lady, it's me. Do you remember met I met you at the airport? Of course I do. I said, well, I'd like to see South Africa. I'd like to see Johannesburg. She said, wherever you want to go, my son will take you. Give me your hotel information. And I will, he will be there. That's all she said. And she said, don't worry about paying me anything. It's our gift to you. I was like, "What word. So here I am with a stranger. <laughs> Nobody knew where I, let, I went. Because I am truly that kid that gets, that. I was the kid who would go in the mall with my mom and I would disappear. I've always been like that. So I went and we went to... First place he we went to was Alexandria. And Alexandria is the city where Mandela was born. We went to his house. Oh, it was a small house. The neighborhood reminded me of any urban neighborhood. From where I was staying in the hotel, the houses were massive and people were driving Range Rovers and Rolls Royces and, you know, Sobs and all the nice cars. And then this was like a regular neighborhood. The houses were small, close together So went into Mandela's house and walked around, tiny house. It kind of reminded me of, you know, when you see the Janet Jackson's documentary of her house in Gary, Indiana. Well, not documentary of the house, but her documentary, and she showed her house. It was small like that. It was just enough for his family. And it was just, it just felt good to be in that space, to see how someone who came from such meager beginnings became such a global Transformative figure. And then we went to the Apartheid Museum, which was about, it might have been a three hour drive. I didn't know that was that far either. <laughs> so we get to the Apartheid Museum, and it's just at that time, it's just a, in the middle of a big open space. And it was huge. Like I've never been to, a, and I've been to museums all over the world, but I'd never been to a museum as massive as this one. And the beauty of it, the beauty of it is that it had, for me, because I love history, is that apartheid, because it was so late, you know, it was not like slavery in America in the sense of there was no footage. For apartheid, there was footage and video. So all across all across the museum, there was video footage, there was artifacts, there was even a big, huge tank in the middle of the floor, the guns, interviews with people. So I really got a much better understanding of what apartheid was. And it very much reminded me of the civil rights movement. And the other thing that I got a real clear understanding of was the influence of Winnie Mandela. Now, we rarely hear about her here in America outside of being Mandela's wife, but she was a force to be reckoned with. Because after we went to the Apartheid Museum, which if you ever go to South Africa, please go, make your way to the Apartheid Museum, especially if you're a black American listening to this, I think that you will have a greater respect for what it takes to be free and the understanding that it wasn't just us here in America that was dealing with it. It's The Globe was dealing with it. Left there and went to another area. I can't remember the name of the area, but there was a museum, I want to call it Peterson, but it was named after, you know, how we have the the police killings here. They also had similar situations in South Africa. This particular museum told this young man's story, and there was actual footage. And I went through there, and it was just... You know, I was just speechless because it was the first time I had ever seen anything like that, even living in America. But remember, this is 2005. This is, I still had a Sony flip phone. This was before smartphones, before you had a camera phone. So these, this was footage taken by actual video cameras. And it just took my breath away. And it just really opened up my mind to how... Not just how slavery impacted America, colonization impacted America, impacted America, but it just opened my mind to the understanding of colonization around the world. Because being an American, we at this time, we weren't focused on the world. We were only focused on ourselves. And the only things that we saw of Africa, just the people in Africa, the continent, were this these poor, impoverished places. And then I get to South Africa and I'm just like, wait a minute. <laughs> so after we went to the Oscar Peterson, I, I want to call it Oscar Peterson, but I might be saying it wrong. We went to Soweto. I had to see Soweto. I don't know if I did this a one day. it might have done it in two days, but I went to Soweto and saw the shanty towns. I couldn't go into the shanty towns. but w- Oh, so let me go back to the Oscar, to the Peterson Museum. The area was Beautiful. It was like being in, you know, parts of Beverly Hills or just beautiful homes, beautiful streets, tree-lined streets, and all the things. And I, I really was just, my the whole time I was there, I was just blown away because it's literally every moment is breaking a myth inside my head, breaking the false imagery I've of what Africa was told what I was told Africa was. So I'm in this area and the driver is telling me, I can't, I don't want to call him a driver. He was a gift, just magnificent person. And he was telling me how much Winnie Mandela built that country up. And I heard from several people when I was over there, that, that Winnie Mandela is the one they wanted to become the president, not Nelson because of course he was in prison for those 27 years but by but she was still doing the work along with other people but to know that a black woman a woman was pulling that country together in many ways was just phew, blew my mind so i leave that area and we go to Soweto and i get to see the shanty towns oh i don't know where my pictures are but I got to see the shanty towns, and it did look like it was on television. But the interesting thing was, the shanty towns were inside of these gates, like fences. They were fences. But across the street from the fences were these huge, magnificent compounds marble and all just magnificent compounds. So you have juxtaposed these shanty towns and they're literally looking at these mansions and this is Soweto. And the driver's telling me, yes, there's, there's the shanty towns, but then they're the very wealthy people. And typically there'll, there'll be several houses put together and the family will live there. So I, I'm calling it a compound. I don't know if that's what they call it, but that's what it looked like to me. It was gated. the oh, Just beautiful. I just wish I wish I had a smartphone back then because I wouldn't be able to take a lot of pictures, but I didn't know what I was going to see. So I wasn't really concerned about taking a camera. And the only camera that I had was like a professional big camera. And I didn't want to travel with that. I wish I had now (laughs) because I'm sure South Africa is much different than the way that I remember it. So go to Soweto, go back to the hotel And then that's when I started hanging out with, in the evenings, I would be with KB and her tribe and the person that I came with. And we went to, I want to say Mandela Square for dinner, went to this Greek restaurant, which is fun. We went to nightclubs, which is fun. And I got to meet the colored people, some colored people. We went to this like bar, loungy place. And of course, I'm friendly as I'll talk to a tree. So I start talking to these people. And I'm like, so tell me about your history. And the one guy's like, we have no history. I'm like, how do you not have a history? So he broke down apartheid to me and said that they have no culture, no history because we, they were a created race. So the way apartheid broke down, it was white people, black African, Asian, and then everybody else went into their own section, right? So if you were from Turkey, if you were from any of the other countries, India, you went amongst this group of people. And that's the only place you could go because the distinction between apartheid and Jim Crow is that you were Jim Crow. We had, you know, sundown towns and your side of the town, your other side of the tracks where you could stay, but you could stay with your family, not in South Africa. That's why Trevor Noah's book is called Born a Crime because his mother his mother was Black South African and his father was white, I think Swiss. But they weren't allowed to be together. So you can hear more about that if you read his book or hear him do an interview about it. But it was literally everybody else. So these colored people, they, they had their own distinct look. They looked like biracial people in America. Like if your parents were Black and white or Latin and Black or black mixed with something, but they also had their own distinct look. And they said, if I lived in America, I mean, if I would be in South Africa, I would be considered colored because I was not African. And one of the tests that they said they had was you would take a pen, like a pen that's used for sewing P-I-N, not P-E-N, and they would run it through your hair. And if the pen got caught in your hair, that meant it was nappy. That's me saying this. Man, it was nappy. And then you would be considered African. But if your hair went through, then you'd be considered colored. And this could be in within the same family. So they would separate the families based literally off race, color, you know, spe- like specific though. So I was just sitting there and all like, ah, wow. So I was like, so you all were created... Like just, and they were probably in their twenties at the time. And I said, so you're you're telling me that you were a created race. Anyway, I don't want to get into that because I don't know the depths of it. I don't know the history of it. I don't know all of that. But I just know the conversation that I had with this group of people, and they were giving me the sti- distinction between the term color that we use in America and the term colored that they use in South Africa. Same word completely different meaning. So again, my mind was blown. (laughs) So by the end of the trip, I had a complete, completely different understanding of everything that I had been taught. And I believe that that trip is where I started questioning everything. And I'm not going to call it woke. I will call it a great awakening. And that's when I really understood the importance of traveling. And not just to go kick it, not just to go pop bottles in Miami or hang out in the clubs or go to the mall in Japan, but to really get into the history of the people and to understand the land that you're standing on and to have respect. Respect and reverence for it, you know, not to take a vacation just for Instagram pictures, but really get to know the history of the people who are serving you. Because the depth and the richness goes far beyond what we understand here. And it helps us, especially as Black people, to understand ourselves, to understand that we're a much bigger group of people, Which is why I talk about all the time about reconnecting that the diaspora, and that we are a part of great nations. Now we might not know specifically where we are from, but we know we're from somewhere else. Or you might be from here, from a group of people that are from somewhere else. But the somewhere else-ness are places that we can discover. Because I know part of my family is white European, English, or Irish, I know part of my family is Native American. I know part of my family is African. And I know that I'm an American. But me being a Black American means that I have bits of all of that within me, plus bits of the cosmos. I'm not going to get woo on you today. <laughs> but if we realize that all of that, the vastness of this world and all the vastness of the cosmos is within us, oh. It makes you sit up straighter. It makes you lift your eyes up and look at the world in a whole new way. And that's why I always tell the kids, when you're in college, take a semester overseas. See how people see you somewhere else. When you go on vacation, at the time, I don't know what it is now, but at the time, it was more expensive to go to New York for a week than it was to go to Paris for a week. So I always chose to go overseas. My friends were going to L.A. and New York. I did that too, but I found a way to do it. (laughs) But I realized that I could either spend $300 a night in a hotel in New York for five days and spend $1,500. Or I can go to someplace like Thailand and spend $25 a day for a hotel. So it was just how am I going to spend my money? And I decided I wanted this to be a great adventure. So South Africa was one of my great adventures. I met some incredible people and KB is still like, we still have such deep love for each other. We connected on a really deep level. And anytime I go back to South Africa, like she's my first stop. (laughs) She is definitely my first stop. Warm, inviting people who are learning about themselves, who are decolonizing themselves just like we are. And we have a very solid connection with them because civil rights and apartheid are like cousins, (laughs) you know, and it's an incredible, incredible experience to see that we aren't alone in what we're going through. And I know people say that, but we're not alone. As Black people, we're not alone. So that's South Africa. I left a lot out. <laughs> I probably should have written it all down so I could get you all the details. But if you ever get the opportunity to visit the continent of Africa, go. I convinced one of my clients to go and she went to Zanz, she goes to Tanzania, Ghana, the Serengeti, all of these magnificent places in one trip. Unlike just go, I had another client I convinced and she's, she literally five years ago sold everything and she's been traveling the world for the last five years. Woman's been all over the world, but just go. I need to renew my passport so I can go. <laughs> so I wanted to thank you for listening. I hope you felt my passion for South Africa. I hope you felt my passion for travel. And I hope that you get a globe, pick a spot and book a flight. Sending you love and light. This is Monica Wisdom. Thank you for listening to the Black Women Amplified podcast. Don't forget to head over to Apple podcast. Leave us a review and please share this with five of your friends. Have a great evening. Thank you for listening to Black Women Amplified. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to subscribe and log on to blackwomenamplified.com for more information. Keep shining.